Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. Welcome to episode 338 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You mean the Tony Gwynn episode? Tony Gwynn. Hit 338 in his big league career. After his rookie year in which he had an injury, he never hit less than 309 in a season. 15-time All-Star, 7-time Gold Glove. He's known as Mr. Padre. He's a member of the Baseball Hall of Fame. He's Tony Gwynn. Two-sport athlete, by the way, at San Diego State University. What? Basketball. And baseball okay. was all conference in both. That's how good he was. Now, people look at Tony Gwynn's physique at the end of his career, and they say, how in the world did that happen? Because he, he got a little roly-poly um, and unfortunately passed away of cancer at the age of 54. But, man, what a hitter. Episode 338, this one's for you. TG. TG. <laughs> Family Broadcasting Corporation in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer... This one will be relived... Chuck Freebie. Forever! Let me look at these stats real quick. Finals MVP, NBA champion, two-time NBA MVP, three-time All-NBA First Team, Defensive Player of the Year, three-time All-Defensive First Team, All-Star Game MVP, five-time All-Star, Most Improved Player... Did we see the changing of the guard last night with Giannis? That's a really good question, Corey. I don't know that we have. It, it's too soon to tell whether Milwaukee's championship last night, their first since Lou Alcindor, pre-Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Oscar Robertson, their first since 1971, it's too soon to tell whether we've had a changing of the guard. You have to remember, Giannis is already, what, 28, 29 years 26. old? 26. 26, okay. So he's got some good years ahead of him. Kudos to the Milwaukee front office. I, I thought one of the great points Giannis made post-game last night, and <laughs> I'm pretty sure the, the champagne started talking a little bit too. He, he got a little out of character for Giannis. Because normally Giannis is, is very humble. Mm-hmm. But uh, Giannis did take a swipe last night. He said, you know, we built this the old-fashioned way. We didn't bring in big-name free agents. We didn't build a super team. They went out and they drafted Giannis with, I think, the 15th pick of the draft. 
that year. Uh, Drew Holiday, they got in a trade. Chris Middleton, they brought in. They acquired Pat Connaughton. From, uh, at, they signed him as free agent, but by no means is Pat Connaughton considered, you know, a big-name free agent. And the Milwaukee front office made a lot of shrewd moves and put together a very good team. In fact, an NBA championship team. Now, you do wonder, as we try to get back into normalcy, and assuming next season will be fairly normal, with the amount of with a proper amount of rest between seasons, what the Brooklyn Nets will look like next year with the talent that they have assembled, what the Lakers will look like next year if LeBron and AD are able to stay healthy, uh, what the Clippers will look like next year. So Milwaukee and Phoenix was a rather surprising NBA final to see. And I just don't, I can't say that we've seen a changing of the guard. Let me, let is me Giannis a that. superstar? Yes. Let, that's, that's, I guess, what I was going for is, is he my 14-year-old's LeBron, his Jordan? You know, yeah. that group of kids now, are they going to have Giannis as their guy? Okay, but to be LeBron or Jordan, it goes back to what I was just talking about. Because if you're going to be LeBron or Jordan, you have to put together all the championships, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the difference between Jordan and Barkley, right? Nobody doubts Charles Barkley was a superstar in the NBA at the time that he played, but he didn't have the titles. Yeah. You know, the the jury was out on Kobe until Kobe started putting together titles. The jury was out on LeBron until LeBron started putting together crowns and then won one in Cleveland. So, yes, Giannis has a title, and that helps – is he Akeem Olajuwon, where he gets one or two titles, or is he LeBron? Can he make Milwaukee a perennial championship team? And that's what we don't know. Or, if he ends up going somewhere else, can he be successful on that team as well? Well, and that would be the question. Would, I mean, Milwaukee went out and they managed to keep Giannis in-house and signed him to a big contract. So for him to go somewhere else would require Milwaukee probably completely collapsing and him demanding a trade. Hmm. I don't see that happening right now. I think the Bucks have a very good young nucleus and can be continued contenders in the East. And as we've discussed several times on this show, I'd rather be in the NBA East and take my chances than in the NBA West. Now, it's shifted a little bit. You know, Philadelphia's got a very nice nucleus, and they were very close to eliminating Milwaukee from the playoffs. Brooklyn, how close was Brooklyn? Close. Uh, how about the length of Kevin Durant's foot? Remember, if his foot isn't on a three-point line, their series with Milwaukee probably doesn't go into overtime in a critical game, and the Bucks don't win that series. Mm -hmm. So that's how close the margin is right now in the NBA. And the fact of the matter is, I don't think 
when you look at the Bucks and the fact that they won a championship this year, it almost makes them not the favorite next year because it's so hard to repeat. It's so hard to recapture that hunger and that momentum that they had. So who is the favorite in the NBA next year? Well, I mentioned Brooklyn. I mean, they've got – they're loaded up front with talent, Durant, Harden, Kyrie. If they can keep them all healthy, what will they look like? Uh, and again, I go back to the Lakers. If you've got LeBron and a healthy Anthony Davis, what will they look like? It's a special kind of athlete that gets hungry for it again after they've already got the ring. Like, right. They know what it takes, what they're going to have to go through to do it. It's a special kind of athlete. I um, but let's How not... about this? How about this? I want to ask you this question. Okay. Other brothers slash teammates who are successful you don't hear about his Giannis's brother that much only a glimpse of the jersey <laughs> Giannis, Giannis's brother was on the box because he's there to help keep Giannis happy yeah that's why Giannis's brother was so on have the there ever been a successful brother slash teammate duo not really. No. Uh, you know, old-timers will go back to the Van Arsdales um, helping Phoenix back in the early years of the franchise. But, no, there really haven't been. Okay. The Gasol brothers, Powell and Mark, had some had some years. This feels like it might be a Key and Peele um, skit. <laughs> the lesser-known NBA brother. Right. Well, Not it, so Magic Johnson. Yeah. It's like Hank Aaron had a brother that played in the in the major leagues, and I think he hit something like 12 yeah. homers in his career. You know, Michael Jordan? What about his brother Mitch Jordan? Yeah. Who? <laughs> so, no, there, there really haven't been brother duos. You would think that somewhere along the line that yeah. would happen, but it hasn't, hasn't really been the case in the NBA. NBA draft is, uh, as we record, this will be tomorrow night. Uh, no, it is... Or a uh, week from tomorrow. It's a week from tomorrow night. Okay. Because originally Game 7 was scheduled for tomorrow night. I've not heard a single name of who's the big uh, prize. You're not going to recognize most of the names because they're either one-and-done college players mm -hmm. or international players. Okay. So the NBA draft has become a rather anticlimactic event, I think, for a lot of fans. The NFL draft, you see those guys play college ball for three or four years. You know who they are. The NBA draft anymore, it's, yeah. like I said, hot freshman from college ball. And let's face it, college basketball, most people don't pay attention to college basketball all that much, and except for one month out of the year. But give Giannis credit. That performance last night, 50 points, 14 rebounds, five block shots. You know the last time somebody went for at least 40 points, double-digit rebounds, and five block shots in an NBA Finals game? Shaq, 2001. So it's been 20 years since we've seen a performance like that. Tell me about Zach Levine heading to Tokyo. Yeah, so this is kind of fascinating watching all these different COVID protocols I don't know how somebody goes in and out of COVID protocols in 24 hours, but Zach Levine managed to do that. My guess is false positive test. 
That would be my guess. Uh, but he's on a plane going to Tokyo, and he'll be part of the Team USA basketball squad, which struggled early in its exhibitions. We'll see what kind of changes Greg Popovich was able to make. Uh, one of them was Bradley Beal got COVID, and he's staying home. And I think <laughs> I think some people were pretty excited about that because it didn't seem like Bradley was all that interested in playing defense uh, during the Team USA exhibition. So maybe that'll help the team. But Team USA goes over there, and they'll open up against France on Sunday. I thought I saw some swimming um, qualifying last night. Well, you may have. I can tell you that uh, earlier today, the U.S. women's soccer team and the U.S. women's softball team both had competitions. The women's soccer team had carried a 44-match unbeaten streak into the Olympics. They wound up playing Sweden, who was the silver medalist in the last Olympics. And Sweden, the fifth-ranked team in the world, just took the U.S. women's team to the woodshed over in Tokyo and beat them 3 nothing. Now, the U.S. women aren't out of the Olympics. We are in pool play right now. So it's possible that they could still qualify for the medal round. But something of a wake-up call for Team USA because it wasn't like they just got nudged in this game. They got beaten badly, 3-zip. Really couldn't get any offense going. They were trying all kinds of different things to try to get the mojo going, and not much happening there. So maybe the luster off Team USA for the women's soccer program. We'll see. Uh, the softball team beat Italy 2 nothing. Kat Osterman, who, I mean, she is a veteran. Uh, I believe Kat's 38 now. Uh, she struck out nine against Italy. And Team USA wins 2-0. But even in watching the highlights, Corey, no fans in the stands, which, I mean, we knew was going to be the case. But it's just so, it's so stunning to watch after we've seen the rebirth of crowds here in the U.S. You know, we kind of got used to, okay, there's no crowds, there's no crowds. Now... You watch the end of the NBA Finals and the crowds being into it. You watch Major League Baseball games and the crowds, and we're expecting full stadiums for football season and everything. And it it's bizarre again to mm-hmm. see areas where they have no people in the stands. And the Olympics is such a moment to bring a country together, no matter what sport's being played, just because you're so into it and you're seeing the fan. It is a, a little bit of an adjustment of... Eh, and how the fans help the players when they're playing in the Olympics. Absolutely. Having a, a a crowd of people backing you up, yelling and screaming and throwing the flag around. And typically an Olympic crowd is behind everybody. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're there supporting yeah. everybody. And to see these events happening with no people in the stands is just a little bit wild again. People in the stands last night for that Cubs game. So the Cubs trail 6-1 going to the ninth. <laughs> and you figure, well, well that's about you know, right. They're going to lose their third in a row. Cardinals go to their bullpen, and their bullpen struggled. And it gets to be 6-3. And they bring in Alex Reyes. And Javi Baez gets a two-run single, and it's 6-5. 
and then he walks somebody, and then Ian Happ, who's hitting a lusty 180 for the season, manages to stroke a two-run double, and all of a sudden the Cubs get six in the ninth and beat the Cardinals by a count of seven to six. Prior to the ninth, the big drama in the game was the fact that Chris Bryant left the game in the fourth inning. He had made a diving catch in the third. He leaves the game in the fourth inning, and as David Ross chuckled after the game, he says, I know the Ken Rosenthal's and the Buster Olney's of the world were all thinking, did Bryant get traded? (laughs) In the middle of the game. Has that ever happened? Oh, yeah. Oh, it has? Oh, yeah. Guys have been pulled off the field. I'm sorry. You've been traded. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. That can happen. I just assumed it was all like in Moneyball. Here's your note. There's your guy. There's your gym bag. No, those those general managers are working the phones, and if they come to the agreement during the game and that trade goes into the league office, I'm sorry, he can't be on the field anymore. Wow. He's not yours. So the, but that a, did not happen. That did not happen. Uh, Bryant had a little bit of a hamstring problem, and so I think Rossi's going to give him a day of rest today. Remember, Bryant went to the All-Star game. He played in the All-Star game. He didn't really get a break like a lot of the other players did. So I think they'll try to give him some time. They gave him some time off towards the end of the game last night. They'll give him today off, and he should be refreshed and ready to go again. But, you know, for the Cubs, you'd like to say, oh, what a what a big win. That Maybe that'll swing thing. Come on. Nobody, nobody thinks that. Do they? No. No. Uh, we don't usually do this on this podcast, but I do want to ask you, have you put your eyes at all on the Zobrist versus Zobrist oh, documents? This is just awful. What a mess. Just awful. I got so like uncomfortable reading it. Mm-hmm. I, I backed out about halfway of just like, oh, man. Here, here's what I told my son. Because my daughter texts me and she goes, they're going to make a movie out of this. Someday. Yeah, yeah, and they and they might. I I I would hate to see it, but they might. And my son is like, you know, have you seen this stuff? And I said, I I understand. There's always two sides to every story. If there's one thing you're taught as a journalist, you're supposed to get both sides. It doesn't happen very often anymore, but you're supposed to. I can't imagine what her side of the story is. Yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine. As her attorney, as you go through these divorce proceedings and everything, how do you say, well, my client should be receiving uh, alimony or money or things like that because, you know, they're getting a divorce and, and look at look at the support she's giving them. Look at <laughs> it's in, in case you don't know what we're talking about. So Ben Zobrist and Julianne. Juliana. Juliana. Um, were married a number of years. She was a Christian music artist. Motivational speaker, author. If you remember when Ben would go to bat for the Cubs, her music would play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, the family, the Zobris family, had set up a foundation, and they put their pastor as one of the executives of the foundation. Stepped away from their church to run the foundation. Well, turns out the pastor was sleeping with Juliana. and She's admitted to that. 
and she has admitted to that. And uh, with all that going on, these Zobras filed for divorce. Apparently, before Ben found out about the affair, Juliana was pushing him to get back into baseball in September of 2019, mm-hmm. trying to get him to go back with the Cubs, I guess in order to make more money that she could dip her hands into. Um, whatever the case, it, it's been a very messy divorce, a very messy custody which is very sad for the children and because he's such a public figure and and to to an extent she is too um it's been all over the papers she wants she wants most of the custody he'd he'd like to go down the middle the part of the article that uh, made me go oh boy was the um transitioning from pastor to heading up this foundation and she throwing a uh going away party from the church Mm-hmm. at their farm and their farm has an account money that goes to the farm the upkeep of the farm whatever she dipped into that account which ben allegedly doesn't keep track of too much because he knows what it goes towards and she threw him a thirty thousand dollar going away from the church party and at this party some things were happening that made him uncomfortable as a husband and that's where it kind of started then you know you can there's a paper trail of text messages that are just through the roof, you yeah. know, thousands upon thousands, it's, which, by the way, you can find that stuff out, you know. Oh, so I love that guy. I just, oh, it's such a mess. Such a mess. But, you know, I have no idea what her what her lawyer would bring to the table and say, well, no, yeah. she should she should get her share. Be interesting depositions, interesting court case, yeah. and you know you worry about the kids in all this. Let's see what happens. So that's messy. What's not messy? The White Sox right now. They're playing really good baseball. What a segue! Jose Abreu last night a double, a triple, and a key home run as part of a five-run eighth inning. The White Sox for the second game in a row rally and beat Minnesota by a count of nine to five. Minnesota could have won all three games of the series. Not that they're going to make a run in the American League Central. But instead, the White Sox so far have won two out of three. They got a Gavin Sheets three-run walk-off homer on the second game of the doubleheader Monday night. And then last night, Abreu with this big performance. And Tony LaRusso's team continues to threaten to run away and hide in the American League Central. And they've done this while still being banged up. Now, the good hope for the White Sox is Luis Robert has begun his transition back. He's doing a minor league rehab assignment in Winston-Salem. Eloy Jimenez is working out down in Arizona. He's hoping to come back soon. So the White Sox will have weathered two of their biggest stars being out for the season and still uh, making a threat to to look like a very strong playoff team. And if the pitching continues the way it has with players like Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon, they really haven't had that great a season out of Dallas Keuchel yet. But if he comes along, that's a pretty good triumvirate to throw at teams come playoff time. And then there's the Detroit Tigers. And, folks, we've been warning you. And, again, (laughs) 
And again, nobody is sitting here saying that this is the Tigers' year. I'm telling you, come 2023, though, be a pretty fun team to watch. Tigers won their fifth straight last night. They beat Texas 4-1. Robbie Grossman, who's having a nice year. Eric Haas has been a nice uh, development at the catcher spot. They both hit homers. A.J. Hinch has this team on a roll right now. They've won five in a row. If the Tigers could somehow get to 500 by the end of the year, man, that would be a huge improvement for that franchise. That If I were a Tiger fan, I'd be looking at that and saying, okay, I, I see some building blocks here because they've had some good drafts too. So I, I really do think Detroit could be the up-and-comer in the American League Central, but still two years away. What's happening with the South Bend Cubs? Well, Rowan Wick, the Cubs reliever, the Chicago Cubs reliever, is doing a rehab stint with them. He threw well last night, and while he did that, the South Bend Cubs managed to come from behind, get a 3-2 win at Wisconsin to win the opener of that series. Delvin Zinn has developed into a very exciting player. He has over 40 stolen bases this year. He was a key to the win again last night. As the parent team continues their quest for a leadoff man, which they really haven't had in five years, uh, you look at a guy like Delvin Zinn and think, okay, in the future, could he be an asset to the big league club? Now, let's not get confused, kids. He's in high A ball now. He would still have to produce in double A and triple A more than likely before he got to the parent team. But you do see some signs in the Cubs farm system that maybe things aren't as bad as they were portrayed, and maybe there's some hope down there. Now, again, you still you win big league games with pitching, Corey, and if you look at the pitching staff of the current big league ball club, after Kyle Hendricks, it's not very impressive. No, it's they, not. they need a lot of arms. Uh, so just getting a leadoff man isn't going to be the answer for this team. There, there are more holes than that, but you're looking for signs of hope. Let's wrap up our sports segment of this podcast with a name, image, and likeness story. <laughs> so yesterday, Nick Saban is down speaking at the Texas High School Football Coaches Convention, which you can imagine in a state like Texas is a pretty major event which is why they can go out and get a speaker like Nick Saban. And Nick Saban's no fool. He wants to make connections in Texas and try to get some of the best players from that state out of the state and to the University of Alabama. And somebody asked him about, hey, how has this name, image, likeness legislation affected your players? Are any of them profiting from it? Are we about a month into this? Does that about feel about right? Not even. Not even a Not month. Not even a month. And Nick says, well, Nick chuckles and he goes, well, uh, we've got a young man that's a possible starting quarterback by the name of Bryce Young. He was our backup last year. And he's making a ton of money. In fact, he has made, reportedly, almost a million dollars off endorsements from name, image, likeness. Now, I don't know where Nick's getting his numbers from. 
I don't know where Bryce Young is getting his money from because the only thing that he's tweeted about is an app called Cash App. And so nobody really knows for sure. And who knows? Maybe Nick's just making stuff up. But it's not beyond the pale. It's not beyond the realm of reason to think that the quarterback at Alabama, even though he has never started a game, <laughs> the kid that's going to be the quarterback at Alabama, considering how much cachet that position has, not only within the state but nationally, yeah, you could see him getting that kind of money. And that's, that's what we've talked about. If you're a Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, if you're the quarterback at Alabama, if you're Jack Cohn at Notre Dame, how how recognizable are you? How good, much money can you make? A good quarterback at Notre Dame. A good you could you could make money, right? Oh yeah, I mean I think Ian Book would have done yeah just fine yeah. Now, unfortunately for Ian, he didn't have that when he was in school. Give me five Notre Dame quarterbacks right now that would have benefited financially from this new deal. Off the top of your head, five. Well, you would have to be somebody who was – Brady Quinn would have been – he would have been printing money like the back end of a Mm Chick-fil-A. I mean, he would have made money hand over fist. Um, I would say Ian Book. Because he wound up being a three-year starter. I would say Rick Meyer would have done really well. Okay. I think Joe Montana might have done okay for himself considering he won a national championship in 77 and didn't graduate until 79. Yeah, and and Tony Rice. Tony Rice, that remember... Was, I was going to put that name in Tony there. Tony Rice wins a national title in 1988... Very likable, great smile. Um, I I think he could have gone on Schmooze Patrol really, really well. Yeah. <laughs> Schmooze Patrol. I like that. Uh, one hit wonder on our Sports Yak Twitter today. My Sharona versus Ice Ice Baby. I'm going with the knack all the way on oh, that Oh, yeah. It. In my mind, not even close, but I know the Sports Jack listener or the poll voter, and let's face it, you don't have to be a listener to be a poll voter, um, might look at things differently. In fact, the last I checked... Do you have to be a poll vaulter to be a poll voter? I wish. Okay. that Unfortunately, that might narrow the field way too much. <laughs> uh, but Ice Ice Baby winning right now, 62 to 38%. What? Yeah. Oh, man. So you Knack fans, you better call up your peeps. What was yesterday real quick? Um, Yesterday was a win uh, not for Afternoon Delight. Seasons in the Sun beaten by Macarena. Macarena wins. So, Corey, tomorrow and Friday would be the semifinals, but then we run into a bit of an obstacle because you're getting ready to go on vacation. I am. Let me throw this out to you. Give it to me. And again, we can do we can do some of our work right here on the air so it's transparent for the listener. What would you think of a Saturday championship round? When do you leave on your vacation? Saturday? Uh Monday morning. Okay. Let's do the championship round on Saturday. Okay. No problem. You know, I, 
I can send that over to you in the morning. You're sure. up bright and early. I am. And we will have a Saturday championship for our one-hit wonder contest. Very and that way exciting. it will be resolved before you take your vacation. Resolve. I brought three names to underrated, overrated, but I was wondering, I should let you choose which one you'd like to do. We oh, don't no, have no, to no, do no. all three. We can do all three. We have time. You sure? Yeah. Ernest Hemingway, wow. underrated or overrated on his day of birth this July 21st? I have to be honest, I have never read a Hemingway book. Me neither. So, for me to say overrated, how 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 could I say? Mm-hmm. We might have to toss that one out just because I don't feel like I'm qualified to say overrated or underrated. I like the character of Hemingway, this this man's man, yeah. this, you know, the 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 fishing, the cigar smoking, the liquor swilling, the Nobel uh, Peace Prize for literature. Yeah. I I like the the character of Hemingway, but I can't say that I've read his stuff. Okay. Uh gone way too soon. Robin Williams. Oh. Underrated or overrated? I I think tremendously underrated. I I think he wound up being a very fine actor. I think. Oh, yeah. And I think for somebody with his clear comedic chops, who never lost his comedic chops, to become as fine an actor as he was, I I think a completely underrated talent. Aladdin, Mrs. Doubtfire, Goodwill Hunting, Good Morning Vietnam. Um, But, But the thing is... At, especially in those last two movies that you mentioned, the poignancy that he was able to bring to those roles. Well, an Academy Award for Goodwill Hunting. And and probably could have won one for Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. I, I think to take the manic comedy that he brought to the character of, a, a true character of Adrian Cronauer, but then also to be able to to show the empathy and compassion that that man had for the people in the country where he was assigned in Vietnam was incredible. I heard a brand new Goodwill Hunting Robin Williams story just yesterday. Okay. Mini Driver's on a podcast. She was the girl in the movie. And she's like, I've never talked about this before. The scene where Robin Williams and Matt Damon are in the park together and Robin's kind of having that get your head out of your rear end kind of talk. Yeah. And it's very dramatic. Uh, they're they're at lunchtime. They're, they're going to have a break, but they're going to pick up after lunch. Robin, according to many, never turns off. He's always on, always on, always on. Mm-hmm. Where other actors kind of, let's have lunch. Let's, yeah. let's hit the pause button. Not Robin Williams. Starts telling jokes to um, people in this uh, Boston park. People on the set, you know, the, the people behind the scenes. And apparently where this park is at, there's office buildings. And everyone's kind of got their eye on what's going on in the park. It's like, hey, we, we hear there's a filming of a yeah. movie. And Minnie Driver is sitting there eating her lunch, watching Robin Williams do his thing with his jokes. Before you know it, 
There's 25, 30 people that have walked over from their offices with their lunch going, something's obviously going on here, but they're not telling us to keep away. Right. Then somebody on the movie team brings an apple crate box, and he gets up on that thing and does a full straight 45-minute set of stuff off the top of his head that she said they even started filming it going, something's happening here. Never used, never, wow. they just, to to capture the moment. Can you imagine sitting there on your lunch hour? Oh, getting a free show from guy? Robin Williams. Oh, I got chills even thinking about it. I go, uh, very underrated. Yeah. Very underrated. National Junk Food Day, and finally, Doritos. Underrated or overrated? I'm, I'm going to go overrated, and here's why. 15 flavors. Pick a lane, stay in your lane. I don't. I can understand five flavors. Fifteen? You're trying to be all things to all people. Those aren't 15 successful flavors. Well, uh, clearly. And that's the problem. You One, ones that are, though. The taco flavor. The taco, f- the taco flavor Doritos are underrated because nobody talks about them, and they're the original. They're outstanding. Cool Ranch. Cool Ranch is very popular. Yeah, but I I would still say a little bit underrated. You know what's overrated? The Nacho Cheese Dorito. Is that the red bag? Yeah. Like the one that sells the most right now, the red bag with the red dust. Overrated. Oh, I love it. I love it. I have to talk myself out of finishing that bag. Look at me. Well, (laughs) overrated. I do love me a Dorito. I like to dip it in the cheese, and it stays. It doesn't break. That That is the one thing I do like about the chip. It's a good dipping chip. But I don't like getting down towards the end of the bag because then you're just getting... Dust. You are getting the break-off it, stuff. It, you're getting Kansas. You're getting dust in the wind. <laughs> so you're going overrated. I'm going underrated. Yes. Okay. You're on Twitter, right? I am at 46 Sports. When will you be releasing... The TV 46 football schedule. Let's do that Friday. Friday. Maybe you got a guest in the studio Friday morning. Yes. On our other show. Maybe during that hour, I depart from radio, allow you room for your guests. I put it out there, and then we can talk about it on the Yak on Friday. There we go. What do you think about that idea? It's up to you, but yeah. I like where your head's at on your shoulders today. You're right. It is. <laughs> Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Tony Gwynn. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.